The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and the episodes that I'm going to be releasing this month are focusing on mental health. We are kickstarting our Mental Health Awareness Month with Allison Stoner. Allison is a multi hyphenate artist, published author, global speaker, and founder of Movement Genius. Allison has presented and led programming for the United Nations. World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, Al Gore's 24 Hours of Reality, and many more reputable platforms. She's also collaborated with TED, Chopra Institute, Women in Green, and beyond. During her childhood years, Allison performed in over 200 films, TV shows, and tours, including Disney's channels Camp Rock and Phineas and Ferb, and film franchises Step Up and Cheaper by the Dozen. She remains active in the voiceover world and can be heard in The Incredibles 2 and many other films. Her mission is to elevate others to live purposefully while creating a better world for everyone. On today's episode, Allison talks to us about her journey with mental health and explains several tangible methods to release tension in our bodies, leading to having a clearer mind and a more positive outlook. She gives her best tips for getting in tune with our emotions and feeling better mentally and physically. Allison, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I have a ton of questions for you, and I'm really excited to hear your answers. But before we get into that, would you mind if I ask you a question from our interview deck? Of course. <laughs> All right. I love these because it helps our listeners get to know you a bit beyond our topic of the day. Okay. Your question is, what's the biggest lie you once believed was true? Oh, my word. (laughs) Hmm. I could spend hours contemplating this one. (laughs) The thing that comes to mind first is on a more serious note of self-worth and identity. I grew up with the paradigm that I was broken. That was my starting point. And so life was a process of trying to fix and heal and return to, you know, being put back together. Whereas at some point, some shift happened where I recognized before you adopted the idea of being broken, you were whole first. You were actually born whole and enough. And then you introduced this kind of schism. And so it shifted my healing journey and therapy and also physically. And it 
removed so many pressures, also kind of like perfectionistic tendencies of, oh, there's something else I've got to fix or something else. And now life feels more like a constant process of just becoming more of who I already was and have been and operating from that space of being enough. And then I'm sure there are a bunch of silly <laughs> lies I've bought into, <laughs> but you know, one day at a time. <laughs> I love that. That's so true. And it's a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today. And that actually partially answers my first question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Mm -hmm. So you post a lot on social media about the importance of our thoughts and communicating with our body to help us feel like we have more control and to gain some of that power back. So I, I have some questions diving deeper into that, but I first want to know, have you always been that way? And if not, did something happen? Or when did you start focusing more on this way of living versus the habits that we tend to be in? That's a great kickoff question. And it's been a combination. So I will say from a young age, I was curious. I wanted to understand what was going on internally and externally in the world. However, when I started therapy pretty young, my therapist was introducing me to these concepts that I didn't know before. And so I think because I, I was introspective from a young age, it revealed to me how fundamental this is for every area of our lives. It shapes how we approach our careers and our relationships. And that self-awareness also allows me to not be as surprised by other people's behavior or even my own knee-jerk reactions because I've looked inward and I'm like, ah, yes, humanity, we're a mix of all these qualities. <laughs> and so I think what really stood out to me and you named it was this sense of regaining agency over my own well-being. And I grew up working in entertainment and everything was dictated for me, how I would look, what I would say, where I would be. And I know that all of us can relate to that to some degree. School has its structure, your family has their own value system, and we inherit all of these structures and processes. And I recognized that my health was deteriorating as I was following the protocol for my job. And I asked myself, to what degree are you willing to sacrifice your health and potentially your longevity for this project? And why is your well-being so far from being prioritized here? Like, what's, what's that disconnect? So I think it was in my deep seeking to understand what was going on in my own body that it inspired the further research, which then, of course, evolved into building a full-on company to help people reconnect with themselves. And of course, as you know, we see on a daily basis, modern life is so busy. There are so many reasons that we would disconnect. Stress alone, we don't want to be feeling stress all the time. So eventually you either dissociate or you don't even recognize that you're tense anymore. And it leads to all kinds of pains and challenges and illness. So you know, my hope is, hey, if I do my own work, then I'll gain some tools so that I can sustain this journey of building this other platform where people are invited to have a welcoming community of figuring out how to take better care of ourselves. Yeah, I gotta say, that is so impressive that you were able to start that journey 
while still being in the entertainment business where that is what I imagine far from what the direct environment around you is. So that's really impressive. You're able to start that. That's very kind and generous. I think when your body is screaming at you and when you just know something is not right, it's top of mind by default. And until you solve it or take steps to figure it out, it just feels like a weight. So, you know, I wish I could say it's actually because I'm so wise. I was born so wise, uh, but really it was a response to having a chaotic career, but also a chaotic household. We had addiction and we had abuse and we had so many factors that led to this unstable, unsafe environment 24 seven. So eventually you're like, I'm either going to become the next version of what I'm observing from other people, or I have to do something to find a new path. Yeah. And one thing that you said really resonated with me too, because you mentioned how sometimes you don't realize it until it's been happening for a while. I've had two different health issues where at first I had no idea it was even an issue. One was just consistent chronic headaches. And it didn't occur to me. It had been years of getting daily headaches. And then I was in physical therapy school and I was sitting next to a friend and I asked if she had any Advil for my headache. And she said she didn't. And she said, wow, I can't even tell you the last time I had a headache. I was like, what? I've been having headaches daily. You're telling me people don't have, like, this isn't normal, you know, on a smaller scale, but still I was like, wow, I've been living with this for so long. I thought everyone felt this way. Right. So sometimes, at least for me, getting a perspective, an external perspective has been another way to notice what might be happening. Yes. And to your point, I have also been learning so much about my chronic dehydration. I had no idea that it was causing so many other issues, including TMJ, um, some pelvic floor issues, some gut issues. And as we're doing all of our research, I'm meeting with all these doctors. There's one glaring commonality and it is that I don't hydrate. And that has legitimately been a way of life for me. Like I have been chronically dehydrated and I had no idea. So I'm in a process of retraining. Hopefully, you know, the other stuff improves. So I mentioned earlier that you post a lot on social media about this and one post in particular stood out to me so much. And it was a post where you were talking about being fearful of your thoughts. And I think so many people can really relate to that and how for you, movement has allowed you to show yourself your thoughts and also communicate with your body. Can you go a little bit more into that as to what you mean by being afraid of your thoughts and how movement has helped with that? Yes, that's a great question. So First, when it comes to tuning in and listening to all of the different voices, whether it's, you know, inner critic, inner cheerleader, your parents' voice, your inner child, there tends to be, for me, as someone who strives to be a quote unquote good human and who does the quote unquote right thing, there's a fear that if I stumble upon anything that is counter to that, I have somehow fallen short, I have failed, or worse, I might actually be that shadow self. And I think in our society, 
as well, we often hide the parts of ourselves that we think will be inconvenient or maybe less digestible to people. And so as we cover up, we begin to either ignore those pieces, flat out reject them, or try to fix them. And for me, I've learned that in order to actually see some transformation, there's a process of acknowledging what's there, being honest with what's there, feeling through that messiness and that uncertainty of being surprised by what you find about yourself, and then integrating that into the whole of who you are and saying, huh, okay, I'm going to practice some acceptance here and some compassion. I've got some messy pieces that's human, that's normal. And can I also listen to them? What do they have to teach me about my past, my present, who I want to become? And for me, if I try to do that all cognitively, then I'll often just get into a spiral of thoughts and it doesn't end up reaching the embodied parts of me that are responding with sensations during this process. So, you know, if I'm thinking, oh no, I'm a horrible person, typically there's an associated sensation in my body, maybe tightness in my chest, or maybe a pit in my stomach, or a chill down my spine as I become aware of something. And so with movement, it invites me to incorporate both my body and my mind in the process of listening to that information learning maybe how old was I when I first started believing this or thinking like this? Where was I? What is my body feeling? And they can be simple movements. This doesn't have to be some grandiose ballet. It can be as simple as placing a hand on your heart and just helping yourself tune in what's going on or kind of shaking out the stress or flicking your hands away from you to kind of symbolize letting go of something. And you can listen to your body and how it wants to move through it. It just tends to be a little bit more vulnerable at first because we're not used to treating the whole self. We often compartmentalize mental health and physical health. So that was a long-winded way of saying the process for me is about tuning in and then moving through it to a state of completion where you can return to a, a sense of calm after you've kind of been riding the wave of whatever that emotion or thought is. I love that. And you're so right. I think so often when someone is trying to ask themselves these questions, when we think about mental health, we think about going to therapy. And a lot of that is cognitive. So I love the approach of including your body to get another function in there, another method to try to release some of these thoughts and emotions, and also try to get you back on track from going awry where you're just kind of losing control. Because as you get stuck in those negative thoughts, those downward spirals can be pretty deep. Yeah, on the scientific level of things, the body and the nervous system is where, as you know, you're storing the stress, you're storing these threat responses that you've developed since early childhood. And oftentimes, when we're trying to access difficult emotions, they're stored in nonverbal parts of the body. So if you try to use language to describe and to define and to fix, sometimes we're not getting the fullest picture. We have to speak 
the body's language and the body doesn't operate in logic, it operates in sensation. So in order to retrain your nervous system to feel less activated in moments or perhaps moving through that anxiety without it becoming a full-fledged panic attack, you really have to learn how to help your body feel safe through something like a breathing technique or progressive muscle relaxation. And those allow your body to relax, become present, and then you can start approaching those thoughts and reframing them. If you only treat the problem or the challenge neck up, you're missing an essential part of who you are, everything that's neck down. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. Wow. So I had the honor of teaching a class for your program, Movement Genius, this past week. Can you share with us, first and foremost, what Movement Genius is? There might be some listeners who have never heard of it before, but also how it works, because it's very in tune with everything that you've been saying so far. Yes. First of all, your class was phenomenal. Thank you so much for teaching. The feedback was wonderful. And it's so beautiful for us to witness people feeling like they have classes designed for them. We have a lot of folks who deal with chronic pain and your class was so helpful. So thank you. Movement Genius is an online platform at the moment where we create stress relief techniques, relaxation tools, and guided movement programs that are designed with experts to help reduce anxiety and stress, help people reconnect and improve their mental and emotional health. So you can think of us almost like headspace for the body. And it really is about that bottom up approach to mental well-being. We're helping you understand where you store stress and then use these simple techniques to help yourself regulate. And circling all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, we found that this really restores that sense of agency. So instead of feeling disconnected, overwhelmed, maybe stuck in these patterns that you can't seem to change, you instead feel like, oh, I've got this. I know tools. I know how to remain resilient in this moment. And, you know, it ends up not only improving how you're feeling short term, but can have long-term benefits for healing and reducing anxiety, improving your comfort in building relationships, improving your confidence at work, all kinds of things. And the best part for us is that it's no equipment, no experience needed, just show up exactly as you are. Works anytime, anywhere, Anyone who has a body can do it. Yeah, and the classes are just one piece of it. And some are live, a lot of them are recorded. But another thing that I love are the short movements. Like it doesn't have to be this 30 minute practice or an hour long practice. You have a lot of content that is just short and quick things that you can do to be present in the moment or to just shake things out and feel better, be more in align with what you're going for versus this tight ball of stress. Yes. So for a lot of us who are sitting every day, we have our at your desk series so people can do this 
during work or during study, just 10 minutes to reset, refresh, reconnect. And then we also have five minute breathing techniques. If you're in that moment and you're like, I don't know what I need, but I need something right now. We have that daily toolkit of just go to short videos. And if you want the longer experience, those are available. But I think our sweet spot is offering something that feels like you can do it anytime throughout your day and things that are comfortable enough that you can also do in public so you don't have to feel like you're trying to do a full downward dog yoga flow. You can really just like ground into the floor through your feet and internally focus on the sensations and no one has to even know that you're calming yourself which it feels comfortable and reassuring that it doesn't have to look like gymnastics. <laughs> yes, I went to, oh my gosh, this was so many years ago, but I went to a Buddhist center one time to take a meditation class. Not that I'm a great meditator or practice as often as I should, but I was so shocked because it was the first time someone ever suggested that we practice with our eyes open. And that's exactly what the teacher had said is that if you always meditate with your eyes closed, then what happens if you're driving, but you're feeling really stressed and you need a meditation or you're in a class or you're just out in real life, you can't close your eyes. You're not going to want to sit in a perfect chair. And I just thought that was so insightful. It was the first time I ever heard anything like that. And it makes so much sense. You said something that has stuck with my sister, with me, with so many people when you suggested if something is challenging, turn that motion into an exercise and practice it. And I feel like that kind of ties into what you're saying. We often try to create these ideal conditions and then we're going to practice the skill there, but it just doesn't translate to real life because your nervous system, your mind are not really simulating what that experience would be like in real life, in real time. And so, you know, I love the idea of making it as real and genuine as possible so that you feel like you're actually practicing for real possibilities and and you don't feel like, oh, I have to become a monk in a monastery <laughs> in order to, you know, find peace. Right. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Do you have any best tips for someone who is new to this, who has not really ever done any form of movement practice or mindset meditation, anything like that? What is one of your favorite ways to reconnect with yourself and reconnect with your mindset initially, but also on days or honestly, like weeks or months where you're just feeling out of it. Like just, there's more challenges and you're having a really hard time connecting with yourself. A few things come to mind. First, the amount of grace and patience and compassion that you get to offer yourself really will make such a difference. This is not about being graded. It is not about whether you're doing something perfectly accurately. This is an invitation to reconnect with yourself. So if you're finding that it's becoming frustrating, it's okay to say, I'm feeling frustrated. That's a part of reconnecting with yourself. And so it's really removing judgment and shifting to a state of curiosity. When doing this work, sometimes I use the five C's. The first is curiosity, which I just shared. The second C is capacity. So if you're wanting to dig really deep, but you haven't slept, you haven't eaten, 
and your capacity is pretty low, it might set you up for feeling like this is just not manageable and that can lead to feeling defeated or overwhelmed. So you really want to check in and ask yourself, what kind of space do I have right now to check in with myself? If it's a lot, great, you can dig a little deeper. And if it's not so much, stay at the surface. That's okay, that still counts. The third C is corners. And I use that to mean, instead of trying to look at the entire picture and be in a totally new state by the end of these 10 minutes, what if you just peel back the right top corner? and just focus on what's there and do it incrementally. When you feel like, all right, I'm ready to dig a little deeper, then pull back a little bit more. The fourth C is creativity. So recognizing that this doesn't have to be a linear, clear-cut, structured process, that you have agency in being able to check in and find what works for you. And then I believe the fifth C is choice. And I should have actually started with that, remembering that at any given time, you can start, you can stop. You can deepen, you can come up to the surface. This is really a chance for you to build trust with yourself, with your mind, with your body, to let yourself know, hey, I'm on your side. I want to be an ally, not an enemy, not a stranger. I really want to learn how to work with you, meaning my mind, my body, to find new ways of being. So I would start there with just kind of checking your mindset and attitude and approaching it with the growth mentality. And then a simple way to actually practically check in with your body. If you've heard of a body scan meditation, oftentimes you're sitting still and you'll draw your attention, you know, to your head and then you'll scan all the way down your body and check in. There's no reason you can't do that while moving. <laughs> so if you want to stand or lie down or be seated, you can start at the top of your head just like you would a seated still meditation. And you can allow yourself to check in by just gently moving that body part in different ways. Noticing, is there tension somewhere? Am I feeling a certain kind of color or mood or thought come up? And just being curious and then maybe breathing into that area. And if you want to, you can sort of soften that area and then scan to the next part. And you can do that by putting your favorite song on and doing it in three minutes in the morning. Or you can take your time and do that to unwind at the end of a day and say, okay, I still have so much that I'm carrying and I want to just kind of let this go. So I'll scan my body and do a little gentle stretch and movement. No rules. You can move however it feels good and allow some of that stress to evaporate and then crawl into bed. I love that. That sounds so relaxing just hearing you talk about it. <laughs> like, I know what I'm doing after this recording. <laughs> yeah, totally. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. My favorite C's of the five C's that you just mentioned, the two that just really hit home for me, the first was capacity. I have two sisters. One is my twin sister, and she's been practicing the art of journaling for many years now. And it has just opened her eyes in so many ways. So recently, 
I was like, well, I'm going to start journaling. Like I want these transformations for myself. So I start journaling, but I find myself judging myself for not going deep enough. Like I'll feel like this is fine, but I didn't notice anything that was revolutionary today. I didn't do a good enough job. Like I should have to go back to that. So choice is the other one too. Like you get to decide how far you go, what you do, what strategy you're using to try to connect with yourself. Right. And there are so many other skills that you're training by showing up to the page each day. The most brilliant writer is not creating the best story of their career every single day. It's the art and the practice of showing up, building that muscle memory and knowing in the moments when you might have something that's a little bit more serious, your body might be acclimated to know, oh, that journal can be helpful now. Like I've just been talking about how much I enjoyed watching that movie in my journal, but now I'm so glad I had that habit because that journal is a safe place for me to, to process this deeper thing, you know? So it's like right. giving, giving some space to acknowledge there's other behavioral habits being formed that are still life-giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So most of my clients that I work with have multiple sclerosis and with multiple sclerosis movement sometimes can be challenging. And I'm wondering if you have any tips and this goes for anyone, not just those with MS, but do you have any tips, even if it's just one for those days where your mental health is just in the dumps. And maybe it's because you've been working so hard on improving your walking or working towards any specific goal. And you just don't feel like you're closer or life throws something at you. Like you're just really not in a great space. Is there something that you would suggest to bring people closer to a more positive state and just tapping into the fact that this is temporary and there is another way to be viewing things or having a different thought? Yes. Of course, I always, you know, want to acknowledge that I am not in your body. I am not in the context of your life. So I don't know what it feels like exactly to be dealing with what you're going through emotionally, physically, spiritually. So anything I say, if it feels like it doesn't fit, toss it, please get rid of it if it's not helpful. <laughs> and, you know, a few things come to mind. I have experienced a significant shift in my mentality by introducing affirmations to my practice. And when I say practice, there's no structure. It's just really defining a few key sentences that feel like they speak to those vulnerable parts of myself and are those helpful reminders when I'm in a lower state. I'll give you an example. I often feel anxious before going into new social settings, which is normal. And one of the counter thoughts that I legitimately tell myself and will repeat over and over is I am safe, comfortable and confident in new situations. I am safe and at ease meeting new people. And I found defining what that kind of statement might be for you um, can just be an anchor. It's like having a friend whenever you reach out to someone and maybe no one else is available. You now have a friend internally who's like, hey, here's the reminder for me. Also, when I was healing from I was in recovery from a pretty intense eating disorder, one full day felt so long because there were so many challenges to get through and 
when someone said, just take it one day at a time, that was unbearable. So I had to start saying one hour, one moment at a time. Just take this one moment at a time. And that was that was helpful. So finding what that phrase might be could be helpful. And then I think what's also important to recognize is Yes, we'll have different capabilities on, on varying days based on you know, a whole number of factors. And even if you're just practicing from a seated position or lying down, visualizing the muscles moving and or focusing on simple tension, like contraction and release, that's legitimate. That is real. That is helpful. And that's a part of well-being. So if you can accept that it may not be a full-fledged workout today, but you still set aside that time, I think it helps us heal that all-or-nothing thinking. It's really like, just because we can't do everything today doesn't mean we can't do anything. Maintain that time that you normally would for whatever your practice is and adjust it and say, and tomorrow I'll show up and see what I can do then. Here's where I am today. Affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. I'm such a huge fan of affirmations. One theme that I'm hearing as we're having this discussion is variety and judgment-free. Like there's so many ways to get in tune with yourself and mm -hmm. ask yourself those questions, get in tune with what you're thinking and why you're thinking it and moving your body. And there's such a big variety where, as you mentioned earlier with Movement Genius, anyone can do it. There's no rules. Just do what feels good for you. Yes. And that brings to mind, I remember when I was in therapy and I was finding it really nerve wracking to experience the emotion of happiness, which I know might sound kind of bizarre, but I was so nervous about people seeing me be happy. I like had weird associations about they might think I'm weak if I look too joyful. It was so bizarre. However, when I started saying, okay, I'm ready to be more joyful. It was hysterical now looking back that I was so serious about becoming more joyful. And one day it clicked, oh, if I'm opening up to more joy, I get to feel joy along the way. Oh, if I'm opening up to calmness, I get to feel calm along the way. Like this is something that I'm I'm gaining, not stuff that I'm losing or that I'm going to be graded on. So when it comes to variety, really asking yourself, what would feel, like you said, really good right now? Maybe it's less about full on movement, but it's more a game of your senses, sensory experiences, taking a moment to say, what was one flavor that I've tasted in the last 24 hours? that was just really delicious. What did I like about it? What's one site that's been the most beautiful thing I've seen today? And that is also a legitimate way to connect with your body and be more present. Something I do with my friends, at the end of the day, I'll check in and I'll say, what were your top five moments from today according to each sense? One thing that you saw, one thing that you tasted, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a moment of mindfulness that includes the body, but it only takes a couple minutes and you don't have to like put on a whole show. So, right. yeah. So many things you're saying, I'm like, Ooh, I want to do that today. 
I'll have to yeah. re-listen to this and go back because yeah, <laughs> there are so many ways. This has been so insightful. I so appreciate all of your thoughts and your guidance. Can you share with us, if anyone listening is interested in following along with you or Movement Genius, how they can go about finding you? Yes. So you can follow Movement Genius on Instagram and TikTok at Movement Genius. And our website is where you can sign up for classes. It's movementgenius.com. And you'll find if you go on social media, we have some fun deals like 30 days free or 60 days free or trying, you know, a live class. So find the option that feels good. And it's my sister, who's my co-founder and myself. So really, if you have any questions, reach out. It'll go directly to our inbox. We want you to feel like you know where to start and that you find a class that works for your body, your schedule. So definitely sign up. Of course, if Dr. Gretchen is teaching, come to her class. <laughs> and yeah, I look forward to having you. Yeah. And I just got to say too, just from the one class that I taught, it truly does feel like a judgment-free community, which is so nice because it can be really hard to be part of something like that. So I, I'm a huge fan of Movement Genius and I love what you've created with it. Thank you. That's so kind. And it really is the members, like people are showing up as their authentic selves and yeah. it's encouraging for Corey and I as well. I mean, we learn so much from the community, every class you're welcome to join. And I know you have an ebook as well. Can you share with us what that is and who it's for? Yes. So mind body movement is a seven step guide to reconnecting with yourself. So if you prefer to read about stuff, get a little more context and then try some of the activities, there's a video activity series to do alongside it. And I can share the link as well. So people can grab a copy. It seems like you truly have something for everyone, regardless of where they're at on their journey. So that's really such a valuable tool. When you're dealing with the mind and body, thankfully, <laughs> everyone can be included. Yeah. Because it's you, your time, your movement, your way. And that's what I love about it. Everyone, everyone has a chance to feel better in their skin. Awesome. And I will put all of those links and Instagram and all of that in the show notes. So if anyone is curious, just go ahead and look there. So thank you so much again for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If I think of any other lies that I bought into, I'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.